Welcome to Jesus Unmasked, an invitation to join a search for the living Christ in scripture and our lives. In Jesus Unmasked, we believe that Jesus would wear a mask during the time of COVID, and so should everyone. Yet in this podcast, we seek to remove the masks of exclusive theology and violent cultural lenses that obscure the truth that Jesus is unconditional love. In the unmasked face of Jesus, there is hope, acceptance, and forgiveness that frees us from fear that we may live into our fullest selves as reflections of God's love. We explore scripture through the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible, and we use the Common Lectionary. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Jesus Unmasked, our weekly Bible study where we unmask Jesus from all the violent theological trappings that we have put Jesus into. And uh, I am Adam Erickson, and I am here as always with my dear friend and colleague at the Raven Foundation, Lindsay Paris-Lopez. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Adam. How's, how's it going today? It's there's going a, pretty well. There's a bit of news today, I hear. Yeah, I, I heard it too. Um, we have now impeached this president for the second time, I hear. It's, it's historic. Um, yeah, I, I mean, yep. <laughs> yep. That's, that happened today, yes. Okay, <laughs> awesome, all right. I mean, Hi, Katie, I, good to I, see you. I'm excited that you are here too, Katie, so that's awesome. I am. Um, I, I'm not sure what's okay to say about this as we're supposed to be like, we're not supposed to be non-political. We're supposed to be non-partisan. I don't really think it's a partisan issue though. I'm so. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> well, I, uh, we, we know that there has been news today about the impeachment of this president and he's been impeached for the second time. And um, I've been off doing a whole bunch of other things, but my wife, Carrie, has been like messaging me and telling me all about the drama of some GOP folks, sent Congress people bringing it, going around the, going around the metal detectors so that they can bring their guns into Congress. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, we're in some really weird era in our history. Um, and Katie's, thank you, Katie, is going to say it for all of us. Yay about the event today, Katie. Thank you for that. I'm just reading what Katie says. That's all. Um, I, um, I mean, I really, it, a huge act of violence was committed last week. It was huge. And I'm afraid that if we don't try to resolve it and hold people account accountable by nonviolent means, that violence is going to swallow up nonviolence. And um, so I'm very happy that we are at least trying to use nonviolent means to hold people accountable for violence. Um, so that's, I, that's where I stand on this issue more than anything else. Awesome. Well, we are going to one of the tragedies in all of this is that there were folks who were, you know, holding up signs uh, during all of those violent um, 
insurrection last week uh, about Jesus uh, and about religion and Christianity. And we are here to uh, do exactly what Lindsay says uh, and exactly what we say in the intro, which is to take all of those shackles, all of those uh, things that unfortunately Christianity almost from the very beginning has done, which is to project our own violence onto Jesus and onto God. Uh, that being said, Jesus leads us into a realm of God, which is full of justice and love and compassion for all people. Uh, the justice part is important. Um, Jesus goes to the temple and says, this place has become what it was not intended to be. Uh, and there is room for that within Christianity. And we also hold to nonviolent um, in the realm, in the, in the tradition of MLK that we're going to be celebrating this coming weekend. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned MLK because I've been reading um I've been reading his work in anticipation of Martin Luther King Day, which um I'm just gonna say it, you know, um someone here who is not me shares a birthday with Martin Luther King, so we can wish him a happy birthday now. <laughs> yeah, happy birthday, Adam. Um because the next time we do this, it will be past your birthday. So it's not yet, but it's coming. Um, but, um, so on Friday when we celebrate Martin Luther King's birthday and, um, wish Adam a happy birthday too, I was just thinking about how we remember Dr. King and yet the civil rights movement wouldn't be a movement without all the, you know, millions of others who joined who joined not even with him, who joined with, with the, with the God that he proclaimed, who joined with, um, you know, the God that he preached, the God of nonviolent, radical, just, um, world upending love. And you don't have a movement without millions of people, but it starts with a few. And so today we're talking about discipleship. And I'm thinking about how this organization on the ground is the small beginnings of something humongous. And, um, you know, when I think of Dr. King, we, we tend to um, condense it all into that one person, but it takes many. And Jesus is calling the many to him, beginning with a few names that we'll read about. So... I will, uh, I will go ahead and read. This is John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. And as Lindsay says, this is the calling of the disciples, at least the first calling of the disciples in the Gospel of John. So here we go. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come from Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, he said of him, 
here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel asked him, where did you, where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathaniel replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That's the end of that really weird passage. It's really, it is so, yeah. it's such a weird passage for so many different reasons. Here's one that will blow apart all ideas of scriptural inerrancy or infallibility. Are you ready for this, Lindsay? I'm not sure, but go ahead. A week from today, we are going to read Mark's version of the first calling of the disciples. And in Mark's version that we will read next week, Jesus goes to his disciples, and what are they doing? Fishing. They're out fishing. <laughs> mm -hmm. They're out fishing. What are the disciples doing when Jesus first calls them in the Gospel of John? They're hanging around. They're not fishing. They're not fishing. They're we're, not, we're not exactly sure what they're, they're hanging out under fig trees, mm -hmm. <laughs> apparently. The point is they are not fishing. John and Mark tell the story radically different. Um, and this should not be a scandal to anyone. It is just how the Bible works. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the Bible frequently tells a similar story, but in different ways. Uh, mm -hmm. I was listening to a, uh, to the Pulpit Fiction podcast, and they were they were making this point, and they were saying, it's just like when you're like at the Thanksgiving dinner table, back when we used to have Thanksgiving dinner together, right? And they would, you would be there and you would tell family stories. And one person would say, oh yeah, this happened back in 2004. And another family member would say, no, I swear that happened in 2008, mm -hmm. right? You get all of the, these details have different uh, points about these details. You'd tell the story different, but what's what's the point of the story? There's some truth underlying all of it within that story, hopefully, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. There's yeah. common truth. And what's the common truth between John, who tells this, they're not fishing, they're hanging out by a fig tree, and Mark, who's like, oh yeah, they were all out fishing. What's the common element? There were these people who dropped everything in their lives in order to follow this guy, Jesus, that they barely knew, but Jesus knew something about them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what did, Jesus, what did Jesus know about them? They were people who spent their life either fishing or hanging out under fig trees. These are not important people. They're not at the great rabbinical schools. Uh, they're not spiritual all-stars. In fact, they're just common folk. That's who God is working through in the gospel. People you wouldn't yeah. expect. Yeah. Um, and, um, and another thing to consider is if we're not going for literalism, what exactly is happening? There's a reason why um, 
why one story talks about fishermen and there's and there's a reason this story is told this way so yeah these disciples weren't important people i mean in this story um in this in in john's gospel you hear i think more about the marginalization of jesus than you do about the disciples so when we go back to mark the fishermen are literally pushed off the land they can't even make their living on the land they make their living on the sea in the realm of chaos um you know that's that's pretty marginal here we have can anything good come out of nazareth so you have a leader and followers who are all on the margins um interestingly our friend uh tim sites brown um it's a good friend and, a, and an amazing amazing um pastor and just all around good-hearted human being um he sent me some of the things he was thinking of about this passage and i need to get back to him but he pointed out um the fig tree in micah chapter 4 4 um everyone shall sit under his own vine and fig tree and no one shall make them afraid and and it sounds like an image of abundance um this is coming from tim because i hadn't really given the fig tree i i hadn't cared a fig about the fig tree you know um it 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 didn't make it it didn't mean anything to me until until i until i saw that but i don't think anything in scripture is um really coincidental it may not be literal but it's always there for a reason um it, it seems like if the fig tree is a symbol of prosperity or abundance then maybe maybe he's not nobody maybe he's giving up things to follow a nobody and that's that would make you a nobody to give up who you are to follow a nobody but that's that says something that's that's a little bit of a different message to consider so yeah it's hard to know we don't i think this is actually the last time nathaniel is mentioned in the gospel of john actually i think he's mentioned in after the resurrection he's he's back with mm. the disciples but i mean you have this whole what's that 23 chapters where nathaniel who here jesus says is like the one without any deceit in all of israel and we never hear from him again interestingly he's also the one who just like threw the hammer down on Nazareth saying there's nothing good that could ever come out of Nazareth. And somehow Jesus says, this guy's without deceit. It's I mean, yeah, this like, interesting. Yeah. This is like all the prejudice of this guy from Galilee, which is, let's face it. It's not Jerusalem, right? Like mm -hmm. Galilee is also like a backwards part of Israel and Nazareth is even more backwards. So probably the thing that Galilee and Jerusalem would have in common is their common hatred for Nazareth, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So it's like even more backwards than who Nathaniel was. So I'm not really sure what to make of Jesus saying, hey, there's no deceit in this guy. Maybe he doesn't say it as really like, is there anything good from Nazareth? Maybe Nathaniel's like more like um, saying it innocently. Maybe it's just like his prejudice that's coming out and he's being trying to be honest with his prejudice or something. I don't know. Well, I mean, that's, that's, 
that is a kind of honesty, that kind yeah. of bluntness that, yeah. you know, doesn't, you know, doesn't paper over what you really think. I mean, um, but I, I find this, this is kind of hilarious. I mean, Jesus, he, you know, Nathaniel says, well, how do you know me? And Jesus says, well, I saw you under that fig tree. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh my gosh, you must be God. And it's like, how did you come to that conclusion from, I saw you under the fig tree? I, I really feel like there's a lot that I don't know because that's just so weird and hilarious. And then Jesus said something that's pretty bizarre back. He says, well, first of all, Jesus is like, really? That's all it takes? It's, that's pretty hilarious. Like, mm -hmm. um, but he says, do you believe because you, I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? Um, you will see greater things than these. Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I love that image. It's so weird. It is so weird. And what do you love about it? Before I tell you what I love about it, what do you love about it? Oh, gosh. Um, well, Jesus is the bridge between heaven and earth. Jesus is what makes heaven and earth accessible to each other and um, collapses the distance between them. Um, and angels, like, oh gosh, I see like, I see like little bugs running up and down his body when I try to picture it too, literally. That's, it's actually kind of creepy to think of things ascending and descending on a body. But so when I try to branch away from that kind of literalism, what I see are, um, messengers of God bridging heaven and earth but by extension bridging like a realm of elitism with universalism and bridging hierarchies i see like the prophets going between and, and i see sort of role reversals um in a way like the messengers of god will go between heaven and earth but um they'll bring people together. Jesus will be the connecting bridge that bridges people together. The um, people Jesus will go to first will be the lowly, the people that haven't gotten attention, the people who wouldn't be considered powerful, um, the people who wouldn't be considered right with heaven. Those are the, you know, I mean, I don't see like this ladder between heaven and earth where all the good people are up here and all the bad people are down here, but Jesus connects them. I, I kind of see it the other way around, kind of turned upside down from that, um, if that makes sense. What do you, what do you think, Adam? <laughs> he says the first will be last and the last will be first. Mm -hmm. So that, that makes that makes sense. Um, what I, I love everything that you said about this and don't feel like I need to say anything more except that this will this this is the perfect frame for progressive Christians to talk about the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that sounds really, really weird because 
generally, we have given up apocalyptic language to our more conservative evangelical siblings. And what they do with apocalypse is only talk about it in uh, end of the world destruction. But that's not what apocalypse is. Uh, so I want to reclaim this word apocalypse because it does not mean what certain Christians say that it means. Apocalypse literally means an unveiling or a revealing. That's why the last book of the Bible is often called the apocalypse of John, but we tend to call it the revelation, right? But so all it means is revealing is apocalypse. Apocalypse is a lot like the Wizard of Oz when Toto takes the cart curtain and reveals what's happening behind the curtain. Apocalypse is just like Toto taking the curtain and revealing and showing us what's happening in the heavenly realm, which as Jesus tells us is not something way up out there, but is something that's already here among you if you just have the eyes to see and the heart to see, right? So this is an apocalyptic moment in Jesus's life. When the heavens are torn, and we talked about last week for Jesus's baptism, the heavens are torn and you're able to see what's happening behind the curtain that separates earth from heaven. That's an apocalyptic story. This, where it says the very same thing, Jesus says the heavens opened up. That's, that's, your, that's, that's your clue that this is an apocalyptic story. It's an apocalyptic moment. And what is happening? It is not violence. It is... It is, it is angels coming up and down. And this is metaphorical language. This is symbolism, right? It's not that they're geographically, heaven is somewhere up there and angels are coming up and down. This is just human language to talk about what's really already here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> angels are already here, coming on the son of man, the son of the human one. Jesus, the human one, has angels so what, what the Gospel of John is saying in this moment is basically what John is going to say throughout his Gospel, which is, if you want to know, if you want to have the curtain that separate, that blinds us from seeing God, look to Jesus. Why mm -hmm. is that important? Because the Gospel of John and the, doesn't say, if you want to know what God is like, look to the book of Joshua. Look mm -hmm. to Moses, look to even Isaiah. It doesn't say look to Peter or James or Paul. It says look to Jesus, right? This is where the this is where the gospel of John is so important because the other thing that many of our Christian siblings do is to try to say, oh, the Bible is the word of God. And so know the Bible. The Bible is important, but it points beyond. All of those books point beyond themselves to Jesus, who John says is the word made flesh. That's the apocalyptic moment. If you want to know what God is like, look to this person, Jesus, the one who comes and says, God's love is for everyone, not just people who look or think like you, the one who calls us to love our neighbor, who includes even those we call our enemies, because that's what God is like. That's the curtain being drawn open so that we can see what God is really like in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I think when you consider that 
this is something Jesus says to the disciples that he's calling. Um, you, it, it reveals more of a, it reveals more of a message about the work that they will do because, you know, he's saying that you will see angels ascending and descending upon the son of man. Um, and he's also saying, follow me and become part of my body. Angels will ascend and descend on you is what he's saying. So he's calling people to do, he's calling people to a job. He's calling us to work. Um, and more than work, he's calling us to our fullest selves when we follow him. Um, I mean, our... I mean, he says, I saw you under the fig tree and, and Nathaniel's like, wow, you must be God. And maybe Nathaniel's picturing a time when there's abundance of fig trees for everyone and everyone will have, you know, shade and abundance and fruit. And Jesus saying, oh, it's so much more than that. You know, you are going to be part of the bridge that connects the heavens and the earth. You are going to be part of the community that makes God's will done on earth as in heaven. You're going to be part of, you know, you're going to be part of the um, connection uh, that, that brings these realms together so that they're not separated anymore. Um, I mean, when you consider it's, it's, he's not just saying something about himself because he is saying, follow me and become part of me in all of this. Um, and, uh, you know, again, I think about, I think about all the movements and all the people that they take um, in order to make, in order to bring about justice and, and um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just to, just to piggyback off what you said a little later on in the gospel of John, Jesus will tell his disciples, you will do greater things than I have done. So mm -hmm. um, I think that I think that's spot on, Lindsay. So awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Katie, for your comments. And um, weird day, weird time here in the United States. Uh, next week, next Wednesday is inauguration day. So all of these Wednesdays, the last couple of Wednesdays have been uh, kind of strange times here, uh, but we keep pretty doing eventful. Yeah. pretty eventful times. We keep doing the Bible study because uh, it's fun. It's good stuff. It is we're fun. It is, it is fun. And, you know, we're seeing we're seeing all these displays of different kinds of power. And we're talking about we're talking about another kind of power that can change the world. Um, and uh it's not a power over and against anyone else. It's a power of putting ourselves in solidarity with Jesus and the most vulnerable and letting the world, um, you know, becoming a part of a better world through that. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Thank you everybody for watching and uh, join us next week. You can listen to Jesus Unmasked on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And uh, until next week, grace and peace be with you. Peace be with you.
Jesus Unmasked is produced by the Raven Foundation, where we talk about faith and mimetic theory. Check out more of our work at ravenfoundation.org. You can connect with Raven on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you liked this episode, feel free to share it with your friends or your enemies, because Jesus calls us to love them too.